Money, possessions, career, even relationships, anything we place above God pulls our focus away from the true source. Today I'm with Lisa Bevere, Jen Johnson, Stephanie E.K., Lisa Harper, and we're going to talk about how to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because He is our victory over any stronghold. You know, I remember years ago, Matt and I uh, had been with some friends in Scottsdale, Arizona, praying. And it was a time in our life where we were struggling a little bit. We were down with some, some friends of ours and we were all praying and, and, <laughs> and there were some excuses brought up as to why the breakthrough hadn't come and, you know, this in your past and, and things that you'd have to have a prophet to, to, to realize any of that. And I just remember that I got in the car that day and I was very very upset. This was one of those attitude things, Lisa, that, um, that I had to get out of. But I just said, you know what, Matt? I said, either Jesus did it or he didn't. Either it's finished or it's not. Either he has completed it all and he's got all the power and all the victory and all the authority, or there's something I have to do to try to finish the work on the cross. Either his blood paid it all or it was completely in vain. I think it happens a lot in our lives. We can set up idols. We can set up strongholds. We can set up excuses that keep us in bondage. And we can actually lend it power in our minds because Jesus has all power. So if Jesus has all power, how much does the devil have? Right. So, um, so I think that when we do that and we place our, our lives and, and thinking that some stronghold or some idol has power over us, I believe that is just blatant idol worship because I think that Jesus in the cross takes away every excuse. And I know people go through hard, hard things, but I know that Jesus has paid it all. And I don't believe that there's anything else that Jesus has to do because he's already ruling and reigning. He's already got all authority. He has given it to us and he says, now go and do your thing and I'll go with you. So we're talking about the power to change today, Bavir, and that's very, uh, that's pretty harsh, but that's truth, right? No, it, I love it. You know, it's very clear in the Old Testament, it, God would say to his people, you shall make for yourself no idols. So we are often the ones yeah. who fashion those idols in our own life. And as you were talking, I was thinking about an idol that I had for many, many years before I even became a Christian, possibly from the time I was 15 until the time I was 22 years of age, I made my weight an idol. Mm -hmm. I thought if I am thin, I deserve love. Mm -hmm. If I am thin, I'm in control. Mm -hmm. If I am thin, I am successful. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that idol was constructed. Uh, for me, it, I'd come home from school one day. My dad said, come here, come here right now. And, and, and immediately, my dad was kind of a scary person. I immediately started to shrink. And he said, hey, turn around, turn around. He said, oh, my gosh, how much do you weigh now? And I just froze. I said, well, at camp I weighed. And I told him I weighed it camp. And he said, well, you're not at camp anymore. You get back there and you weigh yourself and come back and tell me. And it was this walk of shame. And I came back and I told him how much I weighed. And he said, guys are not going to like you. 
You're not gonna have dates. You need to deal with this. And for the very first time at 15 years of age, uh, an idol came into my life. I began to bow down to that thing. I began to try to conform to all the images that were presented to me, that if I could look like this weight or if I could be bikini ready by June, then everything would be great. Mm-hmm. And then I became a Christian at 21 years of age. And God said to me, your weight is an idol to you. And you may be thinking golden calf, like what is an idol? Well, idol is something that I give my strength to, or I draw my strength Mm -hmm. from. It is something that I make a source. Religion can be an idol. Our jobs can be an idol. Our husbands can be an idol. Our children can be an idol. It's a misplaced trust. And God, I really feel like in 2020, has been confronting idols in all of our lives. He's saying, listen, I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna talk to you about why you're building and who you're building for. Right. Are you building for my kingdom or using my kingdom to build for yourself? Are you the idol? Are you drawing people to me? What are you doing with the influence that you have? And so I think this is a season for all of us to search our own hearts and not say, well, that person over there has idolatry. Search our own hearts and say, God, where where have I set up an idol in my life? And I love, Lori, that you recognized right away, hey, it's either God has done all this or he didn't. Mm -hmm. And what I think we all need to do is we declare what he has done into a situation instead of thinking, okay, I got born again by the blood of the lamb and and this is what happened, but now I've got to earn it in my own strength. That's not how it goes. We walk out the beauty of what he has done. We move into the fullness of the realization. We renew our mind, but it's idolatry to think that I am the one who keeps myself free. I can't, Jesus is the one. And when I surrender to him and say, you're the one that made me, You're the one that fashioned me. You're the one that shaped me. I'm going to only find my strength in you. Something shifts in this spirit. Yes, it's so true. And it's just so easy, I think, to get caught up in, you know, even big idols that are, you know, happening in, you know, politics or, you know, these huge topics, they feel overwhelming. Like, how can we, you know, even with like having so much, uh, this difficult conversation, even around the the racism that exists and how we help to, you know, break free of that and change and do our part. And, you know, there's just such a, a weight, a heaviness on people with being overwhelmed of situations of like, how can I change that? And, you know, we can't partner with the overwhelmingness of these big things. We have to just go, okay, God, what is my part? What am I supposed to do? And and like you said, Lisa, just getting people back to his word and, and this, we're not fighting each other, you know, with any of these big topics that are so intense. We're not fighting each other. We, we can have different, um, you know, opinions or you know, different pains or, you know, experiences. Like I don't understand the pain of someone who has been treated unfairly because of the color of their skin. I don't understand that, but I do know that I want to help and I want to heal and rebuild and restore and do my part to, to bring to this big topic that feels overwhelming. Um, It's not, it's not overwhelming. It's not a mountain, you know, and I love that the word of God says the mountain will be cast into the sea and these things, you know, 
we can do our part and we can see massive change. We don't have to be overwhelmed by the size or the, the heaviness of these things. It's like, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to do? And I won't be afraid of these idols because, you know, in our own lives, we have to deal with the personal idols, but there are idols in our nation. There are idols in the world. There are strongholds and powers and um, but we don't have to be afraid of those because the spirit of God lives inside of us and he's given us his word to lead us and guide us to do our part and to link arms with people. Just like this show is even, this is, um, a, a diversity and, and bringing people together. And the power of diversity is so stunning from not only races, but, or sexes, but also the church, you know, the power of uniting is so beautiful. And I think that's what takes down these strongholds and these idols um, that are outside of even our personal lives um, is is the uniting together and standing against and doing our part, what God's asked us to do and not being overwhelmed by these big things, but going, okay, God, what are we doing? I'm partnering with you. And um, this will not, this will not stand on my watch. We will fight this together and we'll win because we are fighting with spiritual weapons, not just our own strength. So standing together. How about you, Steph? What do you feel? Yeah, no, I love that. And there's a particular phrase that, a word rather that Lisa used that I really um, love even in this topic about misplaced trust when it comes to idols, because I know that in my life, the evidence of any idol that has stayed for any long period of time, for me, points to the fact that that's an area that I don't, I know, I don't trust God. Now, it might not have been, that may not have been the genesis of it, because you have experiences that happen in life that cause you just like what Lisa shared, where you just feel like, okay, I have to look this way in order to gain this. And then when you encounter the Lord, when the, that idol is still present, when that idol is still evident in your life, then that you're still placing your trust in that. Because just like when you talked about what you draw strength from or what you take your strength to, that sounds like what you have put your trust in, you know? And so like for many times, whether we're putting our uh, trust in the White House or we're putting our trust in a relationship or a job or whatever it is, as big as it could be or as small as it could be, it shows that there is a there's an area of our lives that we don't see God as the place that we could pull strength from in that in that area. And so I think that for anyone also just kind of like struggling with this thing in my life, I've put it above God. And I think it takes self-awareness and it takes honesty with the Lord to say, I don't trust you in this area. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that if you have faith in God, that means you trust him in every area of your life. Right. And so in order for the Holy Spirit to take authority over every area of our life or every room of our life, we have to let him in. We have to let him in those areas. So you can say, you know what, God, I trust you when it comes to my business. I trust you when it comes to ministry, but I don't trust you when it comes to my children. I don't trust you in this area. And it's to now say, you know what, Lord, let me bring to you my truth. Let me bring to you my honesty. And when you can do that, that is where we start breaking these idols, where we start breaking these strongholds, Lisa. Right. I love, Stephanie, that you brought it back to the word of God and the name of Jesus. I um, Y'all got to hang with me because I'm not sure this story is biblically de defensible or, or redemptive, but I'm going to go with it. Um, I think this is the Holy Spirit and not caffeine. I, I grew up in Central Florida, um, and so where I grew up, everybody had a pool. You didn't have to be wealthy to have a pool. It was just so hot. That was that was kind of 
part of what you did is you dug a hole in your backyard and had water in it. And there is this season, I think I was in middle school, where it became fashionable in our neighborhood to add this chemical to your pool that would illuminate when any of the little children went potty in the pool. <laughs> and so there were a couple of months where you were just scared to death when you're in somebody else's pool if you had to go TT because you were going to be called out because it would turn this. It seems like it was red or blue. You know, the chemical in the pool just illuminated if you wet your pants in the pool, which I don't advocate that, mind you, hear me say that, but um, I won't talk about bladders and being 57, but I think the word of God and the name of Jesus illuminate and repel idols. I was in a, a third world country not too long ago where witchcraft was practiced. And I was introduced to a group of women who practice witchcraft and voodoo. And initially they thought I was a voodoo priestess. And I said, no, no. And I couldn't speak their language. And I just began holding up my Bible. And I said, Jesus, Jesus. And y'all, these women literally started backing up from me. I think our even American evangelical culture, uh, I had a women's conference recently and they said, we know you're a Bible teacher, but we would rather you just tell funny stories and talk about God because we found the name of Jesus is offensive. And I thought, goodness gracious, we are losing our gospel efficacy when we don't speak about Jesus and we don't use God's word. So I don't think we um, can ever be effective at recognizing the idols in our own lives or the idols around us, dangerous idols, if we get away from the authority of God's word, the authority of God in his word, and the name of Jesus. You know, I totally love that Jesus is the one who actually locates the idols. That's right. You, you look at the story of the rich young ruler, and it says that he came running and kneeling down. Right. And he said, you know, good teacher. So he said, okay, I, I believe that you can teach me. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And it said that Jesus looked at him and loved him. He didn't look at him and judge him. He didn't look at him and say, buddy, you, you're really messing up in this one area. It said that he looked at him and he loved him. And then he put his finger on the idol in his life. Right. He said, you need to sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And it said he went away sad because he had great wealth. That was the idol that he trusted in his wealth. And I love that Jesus didn't say, sell everything you have and give it to me or put it into my ministry. Right. Jesus actually really said, I'm going to locate this idol that's holding you back and it doesn't benefit me. Right. It's going to benefit the kingdom. And I think that all of us, we have these little areas where like, Jesus, I'm going to let you touch all these areas, but you're not allowed to touch this area because this is my this is my area. This precious. is my area I like. This is this, yes, my precious, my precious. And I, and I, this is the place that I want to be invisible. You know, I love that you brought up the, you put it on, you're like, oh, that's not visible to God. And he's saying that one thing, that one thing is the thing that is holding you back from everything I have for you. Every single time God begins to do something, bring something from heaven into earth. He will always confront an idol in our life. And he always says, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Right. 
I'm getting ready to terrify you. I'm getting ready to strip aside that one thing that you were hiding behind, that one thing that you trusted in. But see, God loves us too much. You know, I was talking out to dinner with a dear friend and she was talking about some prayers that she had prayed that she looked back and she was like, gosh, that was a horrible choice of prayers. And she said, I thought, well, of course God wouldn't answer that. And I said, yeah, because see, there's a moment in COVID that is not like the moment that we've had in the presence of God, maybe 10 years ago. And there's things that maybe you say in a moment that God's like, no, no, no. When you were in my presence before, you said, God, I don't want anything that would ever remove me from you. I don't want anything that would ever take your place in my life. God, if there's anything that would shadow or shame, God, I don't want that in my life. You prayed that with such depth and meaning. Right. And he said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to violate that to give you this. And so I love it when he exposes an idol. It says that he disciplines and prunes us so that we can bear more fruit. So Jen, have you been experiencing pruning during COVID? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's amazing that you said the word pruning there at the end too, because that was literally a conversation we were having with our team yesterday was, wow, we're getting pruned. We are you know, and even just downsizing. And, you know, the beautiful thing is, is that talking to friends about their experience through the past six, seven months with COVID, um, it's been something where I've seen my friends downsizing and pruning their own personal worlds and, and getting rid of, you know, what they don't need or um, cleaning house, deep cleaning, you know, parts of their house. And I was also reading in the word, there's a, there's a verse that says, get your house in order. And it's, you know, about a prophet preparing someone for their end. But, you know, again, that, that first word that just kind of, you know, when the words of the, of the Bible just leap off the page and stand out in bold print, you're like, wow, okay, I get it, God. Um, but it's a get your house in order. And I really feel like that's a, something that God has been doing in, in this um, pandemic season. Um, all the pandemic aside with us is just getting us ready and pruning us and organizing things in our hearts. You know, there's been space for us to actually take time and you know, not have this, for me, at least the sports schedule or the ministry schedule or the, you know, that we've just got time and everywhere you go, there you are. Um, but it's been a gift to kind of look at our lives and look at our homes and to really prune things and, and pruning, he does, he prunes the people that he loves and that's all of us. So receiving that and going, God, what do you want to get out of my life? And, and what am I, it's interfering with my relationship with you, like you just shared. And so I think that if we can lean into the pruning and love the pruning, um, you know, if you've ever pruned anything before, it it makes we have this huge fig tree at our house, and um, when you prune it, it looks naked and super weird uh, for a while. But then the next season comes and it it becomes healthy again and looks beautiful. But pruning is uncomfortable and you know exposing, and you kind of look weird for a little bit. But just lean into that because you want it. You want for the next season to to be flourishing and. Um, there, that there's not fruit hanging off, that you can have a healthy fruit growing on your tree and, and that God can take you into that next season in health. So just just go, Holy Spirit, prune me. I know it's not going to be fun, but just prune every part of my life. Take out what doesn't need to be there and, and put in what does and, and just let him do it. Lean into it. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree. <laughs> the pruning is so uncomfortable, you know, and I think that pruning even in our practical, in our lives, from a practical perspective, it looks like those instructions that the Lord gives us that feel, that brings like discomfort in the flesh. Because I think for me, you know, I think growing up, what I later realized was an idol in my life was the need to be financially stable because it, it's not that that was not a desire that God had for me, but it was rooted in my need for control. I never wanted to be in a position of lack that I have to depend on another human being or for any kind of resource. And so I didn't even realize that th there was almost like a, a map that God has been showing me even from a younger age. So I started tithing at 15, literally based on the word of God. And I'm like, God, I'm not even, I don't even have a job. <laughs> you know, who, why am I tithing at 15? But he began to instruct me about the tithe and I began tithing. And then when I, be, right before I started ministry, I was in real estate. I was, I was great. I was flipping houses with my brother. And the Lord told me to walk away from everything, walk away from it all. I should move to another area. And I'm just like, wait, what, what am I going to do for finances? Like this was it. This was like my biggest source of income. But what I realized that the Lord was doing is that in the truth of my identity, he had called me to be a giver. He had called me to do things without the expectation of a reward from it, but to do it simply because he is the one that told me to, and to trust that he will be my provider. And so there were seasons of my life that were very uncomfortable, but it was the Lord pruning the very things that could stand as idols in the future. And so I believe that we have to pay attention to those instructions from Jesus, just like to the rich young ruler. It was an instruction he gave him. So what are the words that God is telling you that seems uncomfortable? Because when we pray and say, Holy Spirit, I just want you to prune me, get ready to hear things that will bring discomfort, <laughs> you right. know, and to lean into it because that is how we destroy those idols in our lives. Right. Stephanie, I thought I had totally stepped on toes talking about tinkling, and then you went for our wallets. Man, you talk about intimacy. But I love that you tied tithing and money with idolatry, because anytime I think about getting rid of idols, I go back to the Old Testament law of first fruits, where, you know, in that Israeli Old Testament culture. It was mostly agricultural. And God set up the parameters for them that when they harvested to bring him the first and the best. And there's in my life, nothing that has been more effective in revealing idols than looking at my Amazon Prime account or looking at my wallets. Um, my wallet, I had a seminary class this summer and our professor was talking about abstinence. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be good here because you know, I'm 57 and single. So I assumed that's what she was talking about with abstinence. And she said, no, I want to talk about abstaining from things you don't need in order to make more room for God. Mm -hmm. And she had us pull out our most recent receipts. And I had one from Target that was, you know, like two feet long. And she said, I just want you in the privacy, you know, of your own home by yourself to go through that receipt and I want you to highlight anything that is not necessary for you or your family's survival. And I mean, my whole receipt was, you know, neon yellow. And it made me go, okay, Lord, I don't want to take a vow of poverty that you haven't given us, but I've obviously gotten in the opposite ditch in thinking all this stuff will fill me up. And let me go to you first. And so I do think um, you talking about tithing 
has a whole lot to do with the posture of our heart. So um, let's all pray. My gut says we're probably all convicted. Uh, Jesus, 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 thank you that you promise that you will give us everything we need. According to your glorious riches, you promise that you will give us everything we need for life and for godliness, that your grace is sufficient for us. So Lord, I pray right now through your spirit that you'd reveal anything we're hanging on to, as Lisa said, anything that we're giving our strength to that doesn't honor you, that doesn't please you. And Lord, give us the grace to just release our grip on any idol in our life, any expenditure in our life that isn't for our good and for your glory and for the furtherance of your gospel. We love you, Jesus. Thank you that you are so extraordinarily patient with us, that you do love us before you point out our idols. We love you, Jesus. We rest in your sufficiency. Amen and amen.